This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by the twisted spine-tingling thriller Disquiet, now streaming on Redbox. Jonathan Rees Myers stars as a patient who wakes up to discover he's trapped in an abandoned hospital by mysterious and sinister forces that have no intention of letting him leave. Don't miss out on this must-see movie. Stream Disquiet instantly on Redbox on demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. And as a special gift to our listeners, I have five digital passes to watch Disquiet on Redbox On Demand. Just email me at killbykillpod at gmail.com with Disquiet in the subject box, and you could receive a free chance to watch it today. And now, the body count continues. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. That's right. We're talking about bones and all on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the road between Missouri and Michigan. This is the Kill by Kill podcast. Uh, where we're dedicated to celebrating least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of 2022's Bones and All in hopes that a young eater's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to give me the rules of who we eat and who we don't. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe, how are you doing today, Gina? Uh, I was trying to come up with a funny little rhyme, uh, and the best I could do was it's it's never sad with Rad. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I've boy. got my I've got my my overalls on. I'm filthy. I, I I'm ready to talk about this movie. <laughs> Filth is an important component of this. I, I, we have had some filthy movies as of late, and this one really tops the list. I mean, every surface is grimy. Every hand has is gone unwashed for far too long. Um <laughs> you suggested that we we, you know, usually we we tend to pick movies that we <laughs> uh that are a little on the we can make fun of it scale. I'm not entirely like I'm sure there's some goof em ups here uh, of bones and all. Let, let's not take it too seriously, but there is lots to dig into about it. So if not because not everyone might have had the chance to check out bones and all, why don't we have a quick um, spoiler free section, as it were, of your impressions of this motion picture? Well, I watched it at the end of the year as part of a um, a being assigned to do a a best of 2022 article uh, for the school, the outlet Mm -hmm. I write for. Um, I had planned on seeing it in the theater. Uh, The problem was uh, it stayed in the theater about a week uh, because this movie was done dirty by its, uh, by, by its studio. Uh, It was released at the wrong time of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was released uh, after Thanksgiving, I think. 
when uh, <laughs> when everyone well, it, wants to see a cannibal love story. Yeah, while while it's I wouldn't it's like I say it, you know, some of the listeners may argue is this really a horror movie, uh, which I say yes, but uh, it's you know maybe not a scary horror movie. It's a movie with horror elements, right. but I still think it would have been a much better fit for the Halloween season. Or uh, you know maybe you in the, in the the winter of of 2022. I just I I feel like they did not know either what to do with this movie or how to market this movie, and they just sort of unceremoniously dropped it in the theater right before the all the you know, Oscar bait season movies came out, and right. it it basically just it tanked at the box office. Part of the issue here is that it also fell into a glut at the, at the box office, which is weird to say, considering how few movies are released in comparison to how, how many movies used to be released in the before times. But you had this insane glut of horror and horror tangential related content all around the same time. And it was all very high profile and it was all these small movies doing big business and they were all different kinds of things. So you would think there would be enough room at the table for it. But I think it just got swallowed by too many other stories, too many other uh, things that it would have to compete with. And uh, like you said, they just didn't know how to tell people what kind of movie this is. Right. Because I think a lot of people went in to it expecting something different than, than what they got. Mm -hmm. And yes, I saw this movie and, you know, I thought this really good movie. And then it's really just kind of been one of those movies that just like has stuck with me and, and has really kind of grown in esteem over time since I saw it back in, in December. And now I'm like constantly recommending it to be like, did you see bones and all? You should see bones and all. You really need to see bones and all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I become an evangelist Luke, for this teen, this teen cannibal romance. Which is based on a YA novel, which I find truly wild. It doesn't, it doesn't quite feel as saccharine as that. Or at least how you are, certainly the audience for the YA group would not run out in droves to see this, regardless of the amount of Timothy Chalamet content you have, um, and which is a shame because I think Taylor Russell's performance, lead performance, and far away, she is the lead of this motion picture. Oh, and, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And she is fan-fucking-tastic in this film, which is not a particularly showy performance, but if she does not land you in this, you have zero hope for actually catching on. Right. But it's also shored up by two absolutely bizarre and wonderful performances by two of among my favorite character actors who are just mm -hmm. coming in and like, well, going to tear up a chunk of this scenery and a chunk of that scenery. And I'm going to gather this scenery up, put it in my little bag and walk out of the, walk off the screen <laughs> with it. Like, I don't know the book. Yeah. So I don't know if Mark Rylance, if the, the choices he made with his character are, well, you know, we should, 
so save this for the spoiler talk. Um, yeah, let's say uh, so. But overall, it's it's a movie that is, is stuck with you. And yes. I think you you've said over and over again, we should talk about this movie. We should talk about this movie. We should talk about this movie. Yeah, I just think it's a very you know different take on this sort of genre, and that it's oddly very sweet. And 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 mm-hmm. very touching, and and you 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 find yourself like you know I, I want things to work out for these crazy kids, even though even though they have to <laughs> eat people to survive. Yes, uh, yes, and uh, I think one note is despite its sweetness, um, it does not hold back on the gore element no. of it. So if gore is something that you cannot handle, particularly human gore, this probably isn't for you or at least you should be warned going into it uh that there are many sweet moments but there are also um a lot of teeth gnashing uh into human bodies yes so you gotta and but it doesn't shy away from the repercussions of that i think one of the uh, revelations for me because my estimation of what this might be going into it was more of a near dark and coming out of it i'm like oh no 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 this is Badlands. This is Terrence Malick's Badlands. But instead of one a-hole who you happen to fall in love with, who just ruins your existence, despite how much you love him because he's so fucking dreamy, it is actually that person is a rather stabilizing force. You're more alike than you are different. And it is simply that the world is not built to handle you and as a result, there is a very forlorn, beautiful motion picture. It is just photographed so lovingly. The performances are fantastic. I think this is something that is much more worth people's time and effort than it is being projected as. I think this is being sort of pushed out there as a, well, you went up to the plate and you swung and you missed. And I believe that this, the film actually connects. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's ended up being one of my favorite movies of last year. And last year was a, there, there was, you know, a lot of heavy hitters and home runs last year. Yes. And this, and this is, this it was is, a this is one of them for me. Here. It was a good movie year. And anybody yes. that says differently is just being a contrarian. Yes. Uh, or they have limited their, their ability, what movies they see. And, or they have like, this is, I only view film as this category. And then you dismiss everything else. And I think across the board, there was a lot of really good stuff and stuff that I revisit, like uh, not to go off topic here, but I revisited Scream 5. And I'm like, holy shit, this is better the second time than the first time. And I really liked it the first time, but I think it's actually even better than I remembered it. It is actually very, very well constructed and I think very well performed. Now, (laughs) what people are asked to do is nothing on the level of the tightrope a walk that is on display by multiple people in this motion picture. It's just a, a difficult set of circumstances, but it is so beautiful to look at that you can't turn away. And I think those central performances and, and really everyone on the periphery, the satellites that go around these two planets are, are really, really well performed. I'm so glad you liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that then brings us to 
the spoiler filled portion. So if you have not seen Bones and all and you wish to remain spoiler free, this would be your chance to pause the podcast or uh, delete it and then re-download it again and just keep downloading it over and over and over again for no particular reason other than it helps us. Um, and so with that being said, let's now go to spoilers. Um, uh, before we get to every other per, uh, performance here, there's one that I would really like to highlight, and that is Andre Holland as Frank Yearly, Marin's dad, um, who I, we don't, why is this man not the biggest motherfucking movie star in the goddamn world. Why am I still waiting for him to constantly be the lead in things or just be in every movie as a that guy? Whatever it takes, please put this man in more fucking movies. He's so fucking good. Yeah, I, I one of my favorite movies from the, the past 10 years is Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And I often find myself... Uh, you know, just being in the mood to watch the ending, yeah, and because it's such a, it's such a, you know, a, 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 you know, subtle yet so deeply moving ending about like mm-hmm. you about love and acceptance and how you know this friend who you know he shared a very intimate the main character shared a very intimate moment with you know many years ago, you know, is still the same person he was back then and just you know the only place that feels good and familiar to him. And, and that's Andre Holland. And you've got a lot of this movie moonlight employs a lot of very tight close-ups of the actors. Mm -hmm. And in this whole scene, he's just looking at the, the, the main character with just, you know, complete, you know, like love in his eyes, just like, and it's just, you know, you just feel it's like, like you're putting a blanket around you. It's like, this guy's going to be okay. You know? <laughs> it's like, he's, he, you know, he's found someone who would accept him for who he is and, you know, let him be who he wants to be. And it's just such a, you know, it, it's such a meaningful scene. And yeah, he's just been in so, he's just been bubbling under for so long. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and in this movie, you know, he does what seems to be the unthinkable you, I mean, she's not a child at this point. She's like eighteen, right? Yeah. But yeah. she doesn't have anybody else in the world but him, and he basically abandons her because he just doesn't yes. know what to do with her anymore. And it's it's a it's a heartbreaking decision. He can he cannot take it, but he's also you can you can tell like he is trying. He is he's made a decision probably a while ago that this is what he's going to do, but. He's also like, I'm going to try to prepare this person so that when I do exit the picture, she's not truly left to the wolves. And he he does that, but you can tell there's a lot of heartbreak in what's going on. And when there's that flashback scene to the two of them in that friendlies like ice cream parlor, and he's like, wow, your 18th birthday. I've waited for this day for a long time. And it has a lot of meaning to it yeah. because it's not just my little girl has grown up. It's this is the day in which I exit this picture to the point where I've held back on paying the bills. The electricity will go off in mere minutes after I leave. Right. Kind of forcing her, he's forcing her out of the nest, like literally. Because he can't contain that nest any longer. And so this is where it weirdly combines with a lot of, again, other films that we've seen 
Badlands has been mentioned. Um, but this would also go back to let the right one in sort of mm. vibes where ah. he has another favorite of mine. <laughs> truly it is a, a fantastic, uh, icy motion picture, uh, that is, um, uh, that has a, a lot of motion emotion, do, but the presentation is so devoid of it. It's, it's a very putting your hands up to you to kind of keep you at a distance sort of feel. For a purpose. Here, I feel like we're constantly invited into these people's spaces. We're constantly being put in Marin's place to feel how she feels. You know, these people could be presented as one type of thing. And I don't think we ever really get one type of thing until Michael Stolberg and believe it or not, David Gordon Green <laughs> entered the picture for the it. tensest. Seven minutes you're going to feel in this film. That's for damn sure. Yeah, you were talking about Andre Holland. And, and you know, he did definitely his performance is up there. But for me, honestly, the key character in this movie is Mark fucking Rylance. <laughs> I don't, sure. I don't, I Who don't is know Mark Rylancing it up to, I, ten, to 11? Like he is doing a lot of his tricks. But I feel like most actors would have been going M-O-O-N spells moon <laughs> levels of of characterization here. And if you know, you know. And he doesn't. He's, he's yeah. delivering the Rose the Hat psychic vampire type of uh, performance that really benefits this motion picture. Because you don't know exactly what his deal is even right up until the end you don't i still don't know exactly what his deal is yeah he, i i don't i was gonna mention this earlier i've not read the book so i don't know if the choices that were made for this character are choices that he made or or are there in, in canon mm -hmm. but the one thing i noticed i right. mentioned this on twitter like after i saw the movie is that he puts on a voice that kind of reminds me of whatever the We Hate Movies guys uh, impersonate M. Emmett Walsh. You know, it's like, the old, never, never Dolly was solid. This kind of weird sort of, kind of like high register, sort of vaguely Southern accent. And he's got this like mm -hmm. long braid and like a hat with a feather in it. And like this sort of almost like an indigenous outfit kind of like. And, and he carries yeah. around, like, the, the, one of the most spooky aspects is that he has a bag that has this, like, long braid. I mean, he, he wears a braid, but he also carries around a braid that has pieces of the hair of every single person he's eaten. And, like, mm -hmm. like as soon as you say, it's like, okay, now it's a horror movie. Right. You yeah. know, he kind of maybe wants to have sex with her, but kind of maybe wants to be a father figure to her. And, you know, but kind of also maybe just wants to be partners with her. It's just, it's, you know, kind of, the, there's a whole bunch of these, these weird elements to, to their relationship. Yes. And uh, it should be noted. And one thing I didn't know, and I think is interesting in the sense that it is, it's a little supernatural and it's a lot not. The most supernatural element is that they can smell one another. They can smell, you know, people's people around them. They can smell where other eaters are. Some, you know, Sully is much better at it than other people. Uh, Marin, the least of which he's gaining those powers. And Sully even is the first person to introduce 
to her that there are other people out there who, who are also eaters. But everything else is like, you think, uh, I need to eat, but then after I eat, like I'm invulnerable. No, no, it's just it's never actually explained. Like, is it's not? Is it like a? I mean, all we know is that apparently it's genetic, because her mother, yes. as we find out, has also has whatever this affliction is to the point where she has eaten her own hands, which is again like oh, who okay. amongst us? This is this is this is a this is a horror movie. You know, I'm not I'm not sure how you can it's only because it's subtle at it that that, you know, people may be quick to dismiss it. Yes. When finger looking good goes too far is what Chloe Sevigny is delivering in uh, a truly frightening wig, a haircut, which I I'm trying to I'm trying to describe this to the audience at home, and I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is. It's a very close cropped. Pam Greer. I, I assume it's just it's just is, a standard like institutional haircut, so that they you know don't have yeah. to worry about you know spending too much time on combing her hair. Obviously, she's not going to be able to do it. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, she won't be uh, fulfilling those duties yeah. anytime soon. But I, I, what is what's interesting about her character and Mark Rylance and Michael Stuhlbarg's character is that they're all you know at least a generation older than Marin and Lee, Timothy Chalamet's characters, and none mm-hmm. of them are well. You know, they, they, they're, they're yeah. not, they're, 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 they're not like normal people. Like they, they've either given up or, or, you know, lost the ability to you know, even maintain the, the image of being a normal person. Like, you know, Michael Stuhlbarg is like a hillbilly living off the land, with with uh you know, with with David Gordon Greer, Green's character who we discover has just decided to be a cannibal he, he doesn't even have he's the just, uh, he's he, into it yeah he doesn't even have whatever this this like you know physical innate urge to eat people he just likes doing it yeah no this is what he's been looking for his entire life like he was he was just going to be a serial killer and he's like well, I can pal around with somebody and I can do the grossest thing possible and I'm not looked down upon. Well, I just, I just got to join up. I got to, I, this is, right. this is a, a tribe. I got to join. Whereas, whereas Marin and Lee, they, 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 they crave normalcy. And, and for mm-hmm. a while, Marin has that. She's able to go to school, you know, her, you know, granted she does have to move around a lot because eventually she does give in to these urges but you know, at, yeah. you know, she does want to you know maintain some semblance of normalcy. Whereas, you know, all of the older eaters, it's just they 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 can't or they won't anymore. And her desire throughout most of the film is to try to find a way to ethically do this because she can't control it. She's no, she knows she's going to. There's no way out. But is there a way to do this? that does not cost her her soul. And Sully's the first person who kind of introduces her to the idea of, listen, I don't go out of my way to kill people. I can smell when someone's kind of on the edge of expiring. And as they fade out, you know, it's dinner time. And so I'm not really on purpose doing terrible things they were going to die and I'm just, I'm taking advantage of their timing. Um, the fact that he can smell people 
you know, half a mile away who are doing this bully for him. It doesn't make it any less gross, but he's sort of proposing that if Marin is going to do this with, and in a sense, maybe he should or she should, you know, adopt this philosophy. And yes, is this because he's finally found another eater who won't try to immediately stab him in the back? That's the initial feeling I get. And I think it just gets wrapped up in the, in the prospect of, I found somebody I could speak to who didn't immediately want to kill me, but also is not into my presentation and <laughs> is still freaked out. They don't like it. And how do you react to that? Which is like, I can't even have this other person who is as condemned as it were to this affliction as I am. Like even she rejects me. And I think that just spins him off into a different universe. Right. He, you know, I think he, like, like I said, I think there's a lot of strong feelings coming from him mm-hmm. towards her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, most of them, most of them not good, uh, no. you know, and, and not, you know, not to her benefit. You know, I, I think that, you know, Sully, your primary issue is, you know, you could use a makeover. The kids aren't into the, into the, the hippie braid. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he, you know, his whole persona is just, you know, he kind of comes off a little bit like a, frankly, like a bit of a child molester. And, and, you know, right. I, I don't blame anybody for, for, you know, being, you know, automatically repelled by him and, you know, his, his mm-hmm. heel turn and it is, you know, while expected, you know, also still kind of terrifying. Cause he presents as such a gentle soul. Like he's gone out of his way to do this thing in the the most gentle, non-invasive, non-predatory way f- possible, but he also cannot to re- relate to other people. He's just isolated himself to the point where he's kind of cuckoo bananas for Cocoa Puffs Town, whereas Michael Stolberg revels in it. He is the worst, kind of the worst version of this, and Lee can kind of smell it on him from a mile away. Like the first, listen, we gotta placate these people, but the first chance we get to just get the fuck out of Dodge and put miles between us and them, we do it. There's just no good can come of this. Uh, and then Chloe Seven, yeah, he's just you know. She ate her own arms. Yeah, I mean, she's just like she. She's just completely gone. There's this. Yeah, I mean, she's beyond loss of humanity. Now, there's many ways one can take this, and I think is in terms of its overall theme. Obviously, it cannot be understated that they have chosen specifically to place this in the '80s, for and for a multitude of reasons. One, it's just easier to conceive of the ability to exist without record in the 80s right don't have cell phones there's we see one computer in a bus station that's as technological as this motion picture gets It, it allows them to travel freely and the idea that you could probably walk away from a grisly murder without you know, CSI instantly being on you. How this society exists currently, that would be very difficult for them. 
But because you place it in that particular circumstance, it allows you to view it through a lot of different critical lenses. And the one that jumps out to me almost immediately, and it doesn't really make a lot of, you know, it's not holding this back at all. But obviously there's a queer theory examination in this, in that Marin, in the, in the first instance we see, is almost in a seduction pose with this friend from school right up until the point she bites this girl's finger off. Oh yeah. I, they look like they were about, they, they, they look like they're about to kiss and then, and then, you know, she yes. chops down her finger. Lee is again, not above seduction. Uh, and Marin does not like a go, Oh, I, I thought this was romantic. She, they, they are pan romantic sort of thing where their relationship is their relationship, but she also understands the almost seductive relationship you have with your ultimate victim. And so when she spies Lee having sex with this Carney, um, who, you know, they've said, we're going to eat somebody. Let's choose this person. She doesn't blanch at all. And then you said it within an eighties in which you hear preachers on the radio condemning queer folk and Ronald Reagan, who famously knew of the existence of AIDS, did nothing about it on purpose uh, in the hopes that it would essentially kill off queer people in, a, in, in an accelerated rate. This really does come across as a queer experience of being just, all right, you're on your own. And whatever you're doing, you're probably the world, the society goes, you're going to be harming people. And the people you come in contact who even might be queer like you will not always have the best of intentions. It just, it's very, very rich in a, a, a numerous amount of ways. Yeah, I, I, I had a very silly moment where I, I didn't realize initially because it's sort of, it, it doesn't announce itself as being, you know, a, a takes place in the eighties movie. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, and I, I think that perhaps that Timothy Chalamet's you dyed, dyed hair and tore up jeans are a little more contemporary than, than eighties, but that's, sure. that's yeah. neither here nor there. But I, I saw that uh, Marin's birth date was on a piece of paper and I was like, Oh, she's my age. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Well, first I'm like, is she using her mom's birth certificate? I'm like, no, 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 no. This that is her. Okay, we're in we're in a specific time frame. Okay, they're not just poor where they don't have cell phones. They're poor in the eighties. She's eighteen. This is 1988. Yeah, and and you say you say uh, uh, being you mentioned them being poor. Um, another thing that I appreciate is even though this took place, you know, predominantly in the South and Midwest. Uh, it really drove mm. home to me how every little, you know, scrub little town looks the same. Like the, like the town right. where Lee, where Lee grew up and where his sister still lives looks a lot like the town I went to high school in. And, you know, they're, 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 yeah. you know, little crappy house looks like the little crappy house I lived in. And, and it's so, and I don't think you're supposed the audience is supposed to, you know, mock or look down on these characters, but, but no. it's so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way of living that is, you know, so rarely 
depicted in movies that it's just, it's still a little bit of a shock to me to see it. Or if it is depicted, it is in a way that the audience is supposed to feel kind of disgusted or repelled by it. And and I don't think you're supposed to here. I think it's just these you know, these two small town kids that have found each other and they do happen to have in common this weird thing that makes them eat people. And there's an element to this that is very not to return to uh, Terrence Malick's Badlands over and over. That's obviously an influence, though. But their refuge and the place where the film is at its most beautiful are these extended vistas that they they find themselves in, where they're very small amongst a large panoramic view, and that is where the where the beauty is the domiciles and where people congregate, you know, it doesn't matter what state they're in. They're all in the same kind of disrepair. It's almost as if the world is slowly decaying around them and there is little for them to do. Why would you stay if everywhere you go is this? And it's almost to the point where both Marin and Lee are used to this because they have been raised by people who have tried to keep them on the margins so they are never noticed. If you're in the middle of a big city or a suburban center and this is happening to you, a lot more people are going to find out about it. And there's a purpose and a design to this type of life. And the beauty that they find is just beyond the, those grasses when they find a little bit of freedom outside of the, the the set pathway they have in their future set out for them. And uh, it really resonated. It's just very, very gorgeous. As far as Timothy Chalamet, not exactly fitting into the 80s. I feel <laughs> the same way about him in Little Women. He's obviously, he looks great on screen. <laughs> He also describes himself as 140 pounds and he looks it <laughs> and he just is so modern. It's very hard to place him in the past. Some people can easily just slip into the past. He is not amongst them. But at the same time, I think it kind of works too, because they're, they both sort of drift unnoticed and yet stand out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I do love that they do not shy away from the repercussions of their behavior. The entire dilemma that Marin has is to how can I exist like this? There's elements of this that I cannot, I cannot just shove away. It's either find a way to exist by and cause as little harm as possible, or essentially fall in the path of older generations who are either uh, skeevy crazy or institutionalized those are the uh, those are alternatives and so you really feel for her as what she wants is what we all want the the freedom and ability to just exist and have wants and dreams and those wants and dreams might not be to you know i don't know be the lead ballerina in New York City. She simply would like to exist in a place where she could work at a bookshop and maybe, you know, once every three months slip out of town and eat somebody so she can stay alive. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like a bad life. The That is the uh, sort of other element of this for me that I wondered 
and I don't know that it necessarily bears out, but there is some way to look at, at bones and all as the feeling we all have, and this that has it in common with us, in which our continued existence and any level of comfort requires the discomfort and exploitation of other people's bodily autonomy. <laughs> and how can you possibly be okay with that? And it is a very interesting and haunting question that I think about a lot and there are no good answers for, no. which puts it into bummer of the year contention. That doesn't mean that art shouldn't confront these things and make me think about it because I do end up returning like us, the, the peel movie that I most identify with. It is because it asks a very uncomfortable question that I, there are zero easy answers to. And I am haunted by that. And I, then I get the thrill of in us, the also the thriller horror movie that's happening. And in Bones and All, I get the this beautiful romantic connection movie with these two kids who you just want to see make it. And at, you know, over the course of the film, they're both attracted to each other, but then open up to one another emotionally instead of running away. They both make conscious decisions not to run away. And that I think is, is very resonant. And, and what I think I'll think about more often than just chompy, chompy blood comes out of a chest. Yeah. I it's, it, 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 we didn't mention that this was, um, this was directed by Luca Guadagno who, uh, mm -hmm. Boy, that do I hope that that he's able to keep making movies because his last couple of movies have not done well. Um, right. Yeah, he he did this. He did Suspiria, which another another movie I love a lot. That you know basically did not make a dent at the box office and has its very loud detractors. But I don't think it was given the opportunity to. It was essentially put in theaters for a week and a half, and then like it's on Amazon. You and like, and of course, they didn't advertise it was on Amazon. It's the same thing with Bones and All. It's like, you know, sure, go ahead, make that movie. And then they, mm, well, well, how are we going to sell this movie? Well, oh, well. <laughs> yes. I, I think the world is, he's uninterested in making instantly pop culture feel good movies. I think he's very talented at what he does. He obviously has an eye and all the talent in the world is desperate to work with him um, where I think the difficult, and he's existing in a zone where you have to wonder what bones and all's clearance is to make it worthwhile uh, financially necessarily. Um, but also it just, I think it's fumbled. It's they fumbled the bag on this motion picture. And I, to be clear, am unsure exactly how you market this thing. Yeah, you have to be clear to people that it, it is a horror movie with you know, romantic elements. I would keep saying more than romantic elements. It's the, the romance is the predominant aspect of the movie. Yes. And then, but you also have to sell it as as a a, a romance a romance with horror elements, and you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, somehow for some reason, and I'm not even being 
funny. I, I don't really don't understand it. Those audiences don't often overlap, <laughs> which is yeah. which is very strange to me because I, you know, if you give me a movie that combines elements of horror and romance, I am probably going to love it. Like, I will give you another example yeah. of a, a movie that, while not necessarily similar in theme, uh, but you also combine horror and romance and flopped miserably at the box office was Crimson Peak, which is uh, mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. I very near and dear to my heart. But for some reason, you know, it is appealing to an audience that th- does not actually have a, a enough overlap to to make these popular movies at the box office. They usually they usually don't find their audience until they're on streaming or cable and people finally get an idea. Okay. What is this movie about? What happens in it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually word of mouth that ends up promoting them. And then I feel like Suspiria has kind of re- is finally now reached the level where people are beyond the initial, okay, this obviously isn't like the original, which right, 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 right. why would you try to, like there are a ton of similarities. At some point, maybe we should do the the original and the remake. And to call it a remake is kind of weird, but they're they're playing with all the same things. But do them back to back, almost in a sense, to explore what actually is similar about them and how they're using those similar elements to completely different ends. It's not easy to compare the two. And yet they have so many elements in common. It's a really rare gift to make something as cinematically equal to the original Suspiria. And his response is, that's not necessarily my goal. I would like to take these themes in a different direction and present it in my own way and not worry about giving you a constant technicolor nightmare. I'll give you a different nightmare using the same elements. Uh, and I think it's very winning. And over the course of time, people have softened on the need to directly compare the two films and allow this newer Suspiria to be its own thing and enjoy what it does individually right. so well. And I, I, I am certain that Bones and All will find its audience. I hope it does because it's. I think it's an absolutely mm-hmm. lovely mo- movie that's a, a very unique take on the genre that, that, you know, basically says, you know, you, yes, these people are, they're monsters, but you know, they, they, you know, what if you're a monster who doesn't mean or want to hurt people, but you, you have to. Yeah. Or there's the one guy on Twitter when someone said, uh, Frankenstein is, is not really about like a man making a monster. Like is the the monster in this is he's he's kind of innocent Frankenstein's monster innocent like he's kind of designed badly yeah so if he ends up rampaging is it really his fault or the person who made him that fault and someone will go well as soon as he starts throwing girls into ponds he's he's dead to me and it's like <laughs> come on y'all. What are we even doing here? In the movie, he has the mind of a child. In the book, of course, he's actually very smart, right. but 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 still yeah. doesn't know how to you know act like a normal human being because he's not a normal human being. <laughs> Whereas, right, exactly. In, in Bones and All, 
Sully, you know, now, of course, he's kind of lying about that, you know, he only picks people, he only eats people who are close to dying because, spoiler, he ends up murder, he ends up killing Lee's sister because he he's he's yeah. angry that, you know, he perceives that Lee has, has quote unquote, taken Marin away from him, which, you know, he didn't, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, Lee is a kid well, her age. Marin why was not she, his to begin with. Why, yeah. why would she, you know, want to stick with Sully when she could be around people her own age? You know, so obviously, you know, he... I don't believe that Lee's sister is the, you know, the, the first person that he killed because out of anger or, or out of, you know, to to hurt someone else. I don't believe that for a second. I think he's probably lying about only choosing people who are are sick or about to die. Um, But, you know, when he, you know, was there with Marin when they when they do a feed they feed on an old lady who you know I guess she's having a heart attack or something yeah um like she she's actively dying when they find her and like Sully just kind of dies right in in his underwear which is hilarious <laughs> I love that he thinks to strip down well, that is my he- other that is my big question Gina is if you are if you are an eater and <laughs> You are constantly digging face first into bodies. You you really need to have a lot of backup clothes. Yeah. Sully's kind of like, uh, well, you know, maybe I should change out of this. It's like, you think maybe you should change out of that? Like, how do you not have suitcases and suitcases of clothes at this point? You you can't possibly... Like, I think maybe just going in naked would, but I mean, maybe you can't necessarily do that for a movie and still get an R, but that would be my main thing is like the fewer clothes, the better when you're eating recently deceased people. Yeah. And he just, he just dives right in and like Marin is kind of just struck by, you know, that this is a person, you know, this is, you know, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, fine. They didn't kill her. But, you know, you and Sully's attitude is like, well, you know, they're, they're dying, so it doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, she was a person who had a life. And and to to go to uh, the scene where Lee picks up a, a, a carny and you have sex with him to basically kind of, you know, catch him off guard. She's less upset about catching him having sex with a man than she is about the fact that the guy had a wife and a kid. You know, he was... You know, he yeah. was he was a person. This was, you know, a, a you know, a real actual person that they have eaten. And, you know, she mm-hmm. she's not gotten to the point yet where they're that 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 they're just food to her. This is where it kind of coalesces back into its pseudo relationship with Near Dark, another movie I really initially was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And every time I revisit it, I'm like, oh, I like this movie more and more and more and more. And in that film, the vampirism is in no way, shape, or form seductive. Like, there's nothing about that form of vampirism that's like, that you're living glamorous, baby. This is <laughs> truly a hard fucking life to yeah. rip people apart in the desert and stay out of the sun. You're st- and stuck in a trailer with a bunch of people you clearly hate. That are terrible. A multi-generational family of terrible people. And... You know, you have you have this young couple who's kind of like 
maybe love is our way out. And then the re- the rest of the family's like, fuck that. <laughs> you're ours. We're all terrible together. You were either terrible or you're living in the sun, baby. There's no two ways about it. Um, and I thought, based on initial impression, that this might be more like that, that somehow Marin is seduced into this as opposed to the reality of the movie in which he is quite literally born to do this as, as a quirk of her genetics. And so that, that was a, 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 a welcome twist to what I assumed would be one kind of movie, which I think is, might be part of the reason why it's, you know, fame was fleeting at, at a box office. Whereas more simple fare of smile demon makes you go crazy you know, that that earns over a hundred million at the box office. A tale of a, a chef who, uh, you know, has a cult that uh, is going to kill his last group of diners. You know, that makes almost a hundred million dollars. This is not quite that no. simple sell. And that's why you have to, you know, listen to other people and say, you know, you know, here's what it's actually about. Yeah. And, and this is why you should watch it. Yes. Um, anything else that we haven't covered yet about Bones and All that you want to dig into face first? Well, let me let me get down to my underwear. Hold on. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> we'll press pause and stripping to what, as of course, everyone, longtime listeners will know I do this podcast every week in the nude. So, he's ready. Uh, he's, I don't he's, have he's to ready. Do he's that. ready for the, di- yes. the deep dive. Mm hmm. Every week. Yeah, noob's probably better than like Sully's like little tiny whiteies. <laughs> oh god. It's it's a really depressing outfit. It really is. You uh, might as well just be wearing long johns or something. It is uh yeah, that those Y front tidy whiteies plus the, the sort of the sleeveless tee. It just <laughs> And blood covered. And then when she goes, listen, I, I don't, first of all, I'm with somebody else. Secondly, I don't trust you. And he's like, I dried off near you. I never do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then he drops the C and then we know, okay, that's his heel. Right. Boy, yeah, boy, yeah, boy. Obviously for me, it's a big recommend. And I quite obviously for you, it's a big recommend. Go and see this movie. It is rentable. It is ownable. Eventually I'm sure it'll be on some streaming service, but don't let that really stop you from this is well worth the rent, people, if not the own. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're like, you know, our age and you're like, ah, who wants to watch some love story about teenagers? It's, it's it, really, it's not quite that. It's, it's much different yeah. from that. It's, and I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a very oddly sweet movie at times. And, you know, mm-hmm. I actually found myself a little emotional about the ending. I don't want to give away the ending. But I just, you know, it, it feels like, you know, this is the only way it could happen. And and yet it's like, oh, I yeah. wanted things to be better for these kids. <laughs> in, in essence, the people we think people are ultimately end up being right, which I think is a very fulfilling, uh, well, tragic 
um, you know, resolution to to the motion picture. It's just really well done, and it's gorgeous to look at. Uh, the music is fantastic. Oh yeah, the music. It's Let's take really... it's it's a uh, um, Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross. So you know it's going to be good. But yes. I have been I have been playing mm-hmm. uh, um, nonstop. Uh, one of the tracks was called oh, "You Made It Feel Like Home," and like I've gotten mm-hmm. like very emotional listening to to that song quite a few times in recent in recent weeks. It's one of those things that's it's just not going. I think it's going to. It's not always going to sit right with the horror audience necessarily, because again, horror is a genre that can fit in all these other genres. I think this one is much more of a character piece and a romance. And then horror is this element that's through it, um, but it is not horror forward as it were, if we were to put it into wine terms, but they do also, they do also, you know, rip, rip out someone's, uh, is that his stomach, his kidneys? They they rip it's, something out. It's a vital out of them. organ. Yeah, it's they, something. It's something that dude needs. Yeah, and he doesn't have it inside his body. No, anymore. they are. They are, so, one, of them, they are yeah. one of them. holding it in his hand. Holding their hands. <laughs> uh, it is bloody to the max. Yeah, it's as bloody as near dark is. Really. Oh yeah. Um, it, it just isn't as joyous about it necessarily if, if, the if joy is contained in a more personal fashion yeah if you are patient and you know don't need a lot of you know don't have a you know, bunch of things to check off to to consider something to be a horror movie it is really worth your time mm-hmm. i loved it i like I say it's, it's ended up being one of my favorite yeah. movies of last year and it's a good thing to ha- add to your diet just a little bit outside of the normal thing and i'm sure our audience are sort of omnivores in terms of what they consume we certainly are um, but I think the attitude going into it is not to view it as a twilight with cannibals, nor no, no, no just don't no. Yeah. La- yeah. That's the laziest fucking description imaginable for it. Fucking variety yes. called it that. Gleberman called it, called it that. <laughs> Owen Gleberman, who should retire. Must. Yes. It's it, <laughs> how he is still employed when so many other much better reviewers have to hustle uh, for a living is beyond. Not only, me. not only did he, um, did he call it twilight, uh, 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 like twilight with cannibals. He says something about that. It was a fashion show. And I'm like, okay, Timothy Chalamet's uh, character. I do not think he changes his outfit the entire movie. I think he has those same. He's wearing the same fucking pants, pants for, for the, the vast majority for of for it. the entire yeah. movie. Is that supposed to look cool? <laughs> right. Is that howdy doody shirt he wears for five minutes supposed to be the pinnacle of fashion? Listen, we save we save fashion these days for uh, Cronenberg. To glower at us in an E. Saint Laurent coat. <laughs> like he's a, any second he's about to bemoan at us. I want him soft. <laughs> he wouldn't be working today if it wasn't for his child who's made three movies. So we're, we're just we're just throwing we're just Jesus throwing out Christ. bad takes left and right. <laughs> this has now become the bad take section of the uh, of Kill by Kill. People are listening to us who who don't who who are on are on terminally on Twitter and they're like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are these terrible ideas you're introducing? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm adjusting them all the time, and now we're just letting you in on our personal back and forth that we're on every single day. <laughs> we're we're adorable teen cannibals, but for but for bad Twitter takes. <laughs> right. 
so that pretty much does it. Uh, you know, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork. And of course, Revenge Body does our themes and remixes. Go to revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com to get this and all our other theme music. Gina, where can people find you on this here internet i write about movies and television at the spool.net uh some of my um my reviews it'll have be it'll be up by time this goes up uh i saw and very much enjoyed m night Shyamalan's knock at the cabin uh there's the mm. the shutter movie upcoming movie attachment um so look for that uh i write about movies and television on my own as well uh it's gina watches things.substack.com i've been having a lot of fun there uh by the time uh, this goes up there i will have uh watched and reviewed uh brandon cronenberg's infinity pool so i'm gonna put on my my mm-hmm. tarp so i don't get covered with the blood and semen that's supposedly thrown all over the place in that um and i am on twitter under gina does things g-e-n-a do it today people check it out of course we are on all of your uh social media feeds under kill by kill pod um, or thereabouts, uh, join us over on our Patreon where we're doing fun things. We're talking about all the Friday the 13th movies and commentaries. And of course, this month, um, we will be talking about the final chapter at the end of the month and in the middle of it, which has just happened. Uh, we're talking Alien 3 again, the Radcliffe cut. Yes, if you were missing Gina Radcliffe, uh, who had to bounce out due to technical difficulties. Uh, she gets to talk about Alien 3 exclusively for our patrons uh, as I sit back and just wind her up and let her go. That's the plan of this uh, podcast episode we have not recorded yet. Next week, uh, we're back to TV terrors and we're talking about the bionic woman, the ghost hunter, uh, which is a very odd 45 minutes of universal backlot laden television uh, that contains precious few bionics and even fewer ghosts it's a it's a it's a real whirlwind baby um but you know uh, it is actually a fun episode so i would suggest you listen to it uh but don't worry folks the body count will continue for myself and for gina bye-bye everybody bye